Welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Hoops Podcast. It is June the 19th, 2017, and as I've mentioned over the past couple weeks, uh, some new and exciting things coming out to southeasthoops.com. This is one of them as I add in uh, the daily podcast now going forward, Monday through Friday, and then once we get into the season, probably going to be even more. So uh, most of you, or some of you who remember the podcast that launched last year, just never really got going with it, had some other stuff going on, couldn't really commit to the podcast on a frequent basis, but now uh, there is a lot going on in terms of ideas, new things that are coming to Southeast Hoops uh, as we continue to push towards the season, and as you know, things will ramp up even more once the season gets here, but uh, going to start doing the podcast, adding in some new tidbits every single day to give you even more SEC basketball knowledge and help you all get ready for what's going to be a very exciting season uh, here in the southeast part of the country. So let's get into today's topics uh, of discussion and the three things on the docket today that I have. Uh, We're going to start with Dante Hall. I think Alabama's a team getting a lot of pub. I'm one of the people that looks around, looks at this Alabama roster and says, you know, right now I have in my top 20 in the preseason. I just think that Alabama is built uh, like a team that could make, you know, be a sleeper Final Four type of team. We look back at what South Carolina did last year. Uh, very similar teams, I think, although I think Alabama may have a little more depth if you compare those two teams. They they don't, you know, they may not have a guy like Sandarius Thornwell It's going to be able to have that much of an impact like he did. But I do think from top to bottom, if you look at both rosters, I think Alabama's a team that you could compare them to just because of the way they're going to play defense. And more specifically, I think Alabama's success, a lot of it's going to come down to the development and the improvement of Dante Hall because I think he is someone that, if you look at his athleticism, if you look at his ability to change the game on defense, especially just because of that athleticism, ability to block shots, um, that's something that you know you can't really, you don't have to really teach. It's just something that comes natural. Uh, the biggest part for him is going to be developing on the offensive end of the floor uh, because if he can add that element inside that Alabama needs, because you think about everybody else they have around them, I mean, they've got Colin Sexton coming in who is going to change the game in and of himself just in terms of that offense. Uh, but when you think about Dazon Ingram, you know, Riley Norris is back, Braxton Key, John Petty, another freshman's going to come in there. Uh, those guys offensively are going to be fine. I mean, I think and that's you look back at Alabama last season. I mean, this is a team that, you know, we could look and watch this team play and wonder if, if they were going to score for seven or eight minutes sometimes. And it kind of looked and felt that way um, just in terms of their inability to get consistency on that end of the floor. But on the inside especially, that's going to be somewhere where a lot of fingers are going to be pointed in terms of that's got to be where Alabama sees a lot of development uh, because Hall does have a lot of potential. And, you know, you can look at NBA mock drafts and all that stuff, and you can see how much that he's kind of liked. He's going to be someone that's going to have an opportunity at the next level if his offensive game can kind of take that step forward. And if we look back at last season, uh, you know, didn't add a lot on the offensive end of the floor in terms of scoring. He was obviously a good rebounder for this team. 
Uh, but I think this year he's not necessarily going to be needed to be a guy who's going to have to come out and score 14, 15 a game. That's just not necessary. But I do think if he can ease the pressure off the other guys that are going to be on the outside, uh, you know, and, and Colin Sexton's going to help him improve as well because Sexton's going to be able to penetrate into the paint, get in there, being able to drive and dish, uh, you know, for some handoff dunks, so that kind of stuff. It's going to be very easy to do, I think, when you think of the combination of those two. And, you know, Hall played 19, about 20 minutes a game last season. Uh, he shot 66% from the floor, uh, averaged two field goals a game, which, you know, listen, I think the average six points a game overall, um, if he can get to that eight, nine, ten range, I mean, that's that that's a lot. And that's a lot, I think, that, that could be expected just because, you know, a defense is going to really key in, no pun intended, on guys like Key, uh, Ingram, Sexton, all of those guys. They're going to get a lot of the attention. And while those guys are, are going to be able to drive, they're going to try to score in the paint as well. Uh, you know, a, a lot of them, hopefully, for Alabama's sake, are going to be able to shoot the ball from outside too, give them a more consistent look from out there, and maybe that will be able to open up some things for Hall on the inside. Obviously, Daniel Giddens as well. The Ohio State transfer is going to be in the mix uh, there for Alabama, too. So uh, the inside game for Alabama, I think it all starts with Dante Hall. His development, um, again, has all the tools. He has everything you need in terms of just physicality. I think he's got to be a little more physical in there. But in terms of just the way he's built, the athleticism, um, he's got a chance to, to succeed at the next level, I think, and it's just a matter of continuing that development. Remember, he's only a sophomore last year. Uh, he only played 13 minutes a game this freshman season, and last year goes up to 20 minutes a game, uh, and that number should increase this year. I mean, I think that's just kind of the way it works, especially when you think of the role that he's going to play. Um, so he's going to be a big piece of that puzzle there, and I think that's one where – Alabama fans are kind of looking around wondering, you know, is he going to be able to make that next step? And I do think he will because I just think the offense itself, especially on that end of the floor, um, is going to be a lot better. It's going to run a lot smoother. And I think with all the options Alabama has, you know, a defense can only zoom in on so, on so many different guys. And so uh, there are going to be guys that are able to exploit different matchups. And, and Hall's just got to, you know, add a little more polish, a little more skill moves, and he's going to be fine, I think, on the offensive end of the floor. So going to be a big piece of the puzzle there for the Crimson Tide in what should be a, a really successful season there in Tuscaloosa. All right, and then moving on to another topic on my mind today, and that is the LSU Tigers. You know, I look around and I see some stuff here early on. Obviously, everyone's talking about football. Not many people are talking about basketball, as you know. If you're subscribed to this, if you're listening to this podcast, that means you're someone who values the SEC basketball, you know, even during a time when football is getting a lot of the attention. But when I look around and see some things right now on LSU, I'm seeing a lot of people kind of, you know, they're not really sure what to expect from LSU. And I think that's that's understandable, given the fact that there's a coaching change uh, they lost their best player, Antonio Blakeney. He's gone to the NBA. Uh, and they have some guys coming back that, while were solid last year, they still have a lot of room for improvement. Um, and then, you know, you can't look past the defensive woes and all that. But here's why I think LSU is probably going to be a little bit better than people think. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I've mentioned this in some stuff, some written stuff on Southeast Tube so far in that I'm not really ready at this point to do power rankings 1 through 14. I just don't think, you know, there's enough there yet. There's not enough meat on the bone 
to be able to say, okay, I'm confident that this team's going to finish, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, on and on and on. Um, but, you know, I think there's there, there's reason to believe that LSU will be near the bottom of the SEC. I think when you look around what everybody else has, the improvement that these other teams have made, you know, we talk about a team like Alabama, other teams that seem to be ready to take that leap forward that were towards the bottom last year, of course. We have to talk about Missouri, who, you know, is going to go from being at the bottom of the SEC for years in a row to probably being an NCAA tournament team. Auburn's going to take a step forward if that defense is better. And then Mississippi State, there's a lot of young talent there. Losing Mario Kegler was not ideal, but there's still a lot of talent there. And so I think Mississippi State's going to take a step forward. And, you know, someone's got to finish last. I think that's the the biggest thing here is someone's got to be at the bottom. And so, but, but to look beyond that, I think LSU, we talk about how bad that defense was last year. And, and while their roster is still kind of reloading, I do think this team is going to be better than people think. I don't think we're going to see a situation where LSU is getting blown out, you know, seven, eight times in a conference play. I just don't think that's going to happen. And the reason why is we talk about that defensive style that Will Wade's going to bring over, that Havoc style from VCU. Now, now certainly... You have to have all the pieces in place before it's going to run, you know, like a well-oiled machine, and it's not going to happen this year, I don't think. I think we're going to need another year, maybe two years, to see Wade get the players he wants in there uh, to be able to add, you know, that element to where they're running that Havoc style and they're doing it, you know, in a highly efficient manner, but... With the way they're going to play, I think it's very beneficial, actually, to LSU's current roster uh, in that you have some some really athletic guys on there. And, you know, you think about the guys that are returning. Um, you know, you got Brandon Sampson. You got Duop Reef, uh, Skylar Mays, another guy who's going to be in the mix there. And then LSU's also uh, going to bring over um, Jeremy Combs from North Texas He's a guy who will get minutes. He'll he'll contribute right away. And then we think about the addition of Tremont Waters, who, you know, is kind of the shining jewel of this 2017 recruiting class. And I think that, that they're going to have some opportunity there. And I think they're going to have some chances when playing that style to kind of, you know, have, have a chance to win some games. Let's just put it that way, because I think a lot of games last year, it didn't feel like LSU had a chance to win. It felt like they were going to get blown out anytime they walked onto the floor. And the reason for that was because they just didn't play defense. But if Wade can get that buy-in on defense and look, what you're going to see is that we, some of the names I mentioned may not be on the floor if they don't buy in on the defensive end of the floor because I think Wade knows he's got time. Uh, you know, No one's expecting him to turn things around, get LSU in the NCAA tournament this season. But if he's able to just put five guys on the floor that can play the type of defensive style that he wants, it's going to at least give him an opportunity to turn that defense, that Havoc style, into offense, which is probably something that's going to be needed when we think about the efficiency on offense. Uh, You know, it's not like LSU has a ton of just complete game changers on the offensive end of the floor right now. Uh, So that's going to be necessary, is to be able to turn that defense into offense, you know, get, get some easy buckets off of that, and then that's going to help build this confidence in this team. And, uh, you know, we're still waiting on schedules and all that. And a lot of that's going to play into it. You know, seeing how a schedule kind of shakes out uh, both in the non-conference and in the conference slate. So we're going to have to wait and see there. But I do. I just I just get the feeling in studying this roster and kind of looking at the ins and outs 
of what LSU may do this season. I don't think they're going to be completely awful. Um, I, I just don't see it happening. I just think it's a different style. It's a different era. And while it's not going to be at the highest point that I think we'll eventually see in the Will Wade era, uh, it is going to be a year where there's going to be some stumbles. There's going to be some you know frustrations for sure. But I do think there's going to be some bright spots because I think this style is going to lend itself very well uh, to some of the players on this roster, especially the young talent. So it's going to be interesting to see how LSU does there. And obviously, we'll talk more about the Tigers as we roll through the offseason here as well. So, And speaking of conference, non-conference schedules specifically, I uh, want to just discuss a few things that have been on my mind and thinking about this Big 12 SEC Challenge. We look back last year. Uh, there was a push in the 2017 version where both finished 5-5. Five and five. Uh, And, you know, I don't think anyone expected the SEC to get five wins out of that. Uh, Had some really good games, as we expected. But I think it was kind of, you know, one of the things I've been pushing for for a year and a half now is that the SEC is just not as bad as people kind of led us to believe. And, you know, it's just not. It's just not that bad. And I thought there was going to be some very intense games. And that's what we got from the 2017 version. You know, we all remember... You know, a couple weeks ago, the 2018 schedule was released and talking about these 10 games. Uh, you know, I just continue to think just how important this is. And, you know, it's not everything. Winning the SEC Big 12 Challenge is not everything for this conference. It's not going to result in automatic, you know, NCAA tournament, you know, success or anything like that. But I think from a national perspective, and especially just in terms of national perception, um, it does a lot because, you know, us inside of the SEC, if you're listening to this, you're someone who is inside of SEC, you understand, you know, the value in SEC basketball. You understand that it's not as bad as people have led you to believe. And so it helps to be able to win those kind of games, to be able to win the challenge. You know, I just think even though it's just a one day of game, uh, that, that really doesn't have a huge impact on your entire season. Uh, it's still something that kind of really helps in terms of your profile on a national level, uh, and that's something the SEC has tried to raise. Now, obviously, we didn't know we were going to get the exact help that we did last year in terms of you know being 5-5 five and five in that 2017 uh, SEC Big 12 Challenge, and now you know then you got the, the three teams in the Elite Eight with Florida, South Carolina, Kentucky, um, you know, and getting South Carolina the Final Four was obviously huge as well. But looking ahead to this 2018 slate, you know, um, there is a lot of games in here that if you just ask me on paper who has the advantage, there's a lot of them I would say the SEC has the advantage. And that's not just coming from someone who, you know, covers SEC basketball like no one else does. I think just looking down at each of these games, knowing what we're going to get from the Big 12 teams in this challenge and how these Big 12 teams are going to be this season, it's going to be another huge year for the Big 12. I mean, this is going to continue to be the the first, second best conference in the country. Uh, but the SEC is going to be right up there this year. I just that, When you think about the depth and all that, and so when you look at these games on paper, you've got Oklahoma at Alabama, Georgia at Kansas State, Baylor at Florida, Texas Tech at South Carolina, TCU at Vanderbilt, Oklahoma State at Arkansas, Kentucky at West Virginia, Ole Miss at Texas, Tennessee at Iowa State, Texas A&M at Kansas. Now, if you look at that, you start at the top. I think Alabama's going to be a better team than Oklahoma. Uh, Kansas State, Georgia, 
I, that's probably a push, to be honest with you, because I don't know what we're going to get out of Georgia yet, and we're going to talk a lot more about them. Baylor, Florida. I think Florida's a better team. Uh, Texas Tech at South Carolina. Again, could be iffy, but I think South Carolina at home, um, you know, depending on how well players like Chris Silva, uh, Mike Coates are, how well they've kind of progressed into moving into those larger roles for the Gamecocks, that could be another situation where South Carolina's the favorite there. TCU at Vanderbilt. Uh, I think Vanderbilt at home would be a favorite in that game. TCU's got some players returning, uh, but I think Vanderbilt at home is going to have a chance to, to win that game. Oklahoma State at Arkansas. Oklahoma State going through a coaching change. Brad Underwood had a good year in his first year. How is Mike Boynton going to be able to take over there? That's a good question. So Arkansas would be the favorite, I think. I mean, because the Hogs are going to be in the NCAA tournament. When you think about Daryl Macon coming back, Jalen Barford coming back, got a good young nucleus coming in as well. Uh, Arkansas could be an NCAA tournament team. They should be an NCAA tournament team. Kentucky at West Virginia. As good as Kentucky's going to be, that's going to be a hard place to win. And we know that every time anyone goes into West Virginia. But, again, that's a toss-up. Ole Miss at Texas. That's probably another toss-up. Texas is going to be better. Obviously, they got Mohamed Bamba in there. And they're going to be better than they've been in recent years with Shaka Smart there. But Ole Miss, again, who knows? Like, they have the talent to to make a rise, to, to move up the SEC standings. Uh, it's just a matter of seeing how it all matches together. Got a good transfer in. Markel Crawford from Memphis, he's going to add a lot. Terrence Davis, uh, DeAndre Burnett comes back. I mean, there's a lot to like about that Ole Miss squad. Tennessee at Iowa State, uh, another one. I think Tennessee, just we'll wait and see on them. Uh, because, again, they're going to have to replace Robert Hubbs. But they get Grant Williams back. They're going to have James um, James Daniel from Howard, who was the leading scorer in the nation, 2015-16. Uh, who knows? Texas A&M at Kansas. Now, that's going to be a tough game for Texas A&M. We know that anyone playing at Kansas is going to have a tough time winning. But the Aggies are as deep as anyone in the conference. They have enough depth to go in there and really play well. Robert Williams is, is a top-five draft pick next year. Tyler Davis is going to be a beast again. Admon Gilder, I think, is going to be one of the most underrated players in the country. And then D.J. Hogue's back. And you add that with the young guys. They're going to get J.J. Caldwell on the floor as well. Really good point guard. He had to sit out last year. Um, there's a lot to like about the Aggies. So it's going to be a fun challenge. And, again, we're way far away from seeing these games. And a lot could happen between now and then. But just looking at it, you know, it's very exciting because I think it's going to be a great opportunity for the league, once again, to showcase itself and really show that things are changing here. And I think at that point in the season, I think everyone will kind of understand that because I think we're going to see a lot of these SEC teams could have five, six SEC teams, you know, in and out of the top 25 at that point. Um, so I, I think it's just going to be a lot of fun. So, all right, that will do it for today's edition of the Daily Southeast Tubes podcast. Uh, a lot of more great stuff is going to be on the way here throughout the summer and then obviously as we get into the season and there will be a lot more stuff on the way great stuff on the sec so thank you for listening and i will talk to you guys in tomorrow's podcast <laughs>